a hand clap of praise on a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Did I see my friend, Michael Vance and Carrie? They walked in. I, I love y'all. I've known we grew up together. His mother went on to be with the Lord, and here he is in the house of God with his beautiful family. Would y'all give them a hand clap of praise? Now, now listen, I, I wanted to start off upbeat because I, I got to go right into something heavy. Last Sunday, uh, I preached a message, and a precious man, precious family that's not here this morning because they're in the Pikeville Hospital, Karen, um, Jonathan Jewell. Many of you may know him. Uh, Jameson, he's the strong-looking, bald-headed man, great-looking family. Loretta, beautiful, blonde-headed woman, and Jonathan, their son, he's 25 years old. He came up to the altar weeping, and you felt the power of God just all over this young man, all over him, having no idea, no idea that he was going to be in a, a terrible car accident, and they can't find brain waves. They, that he was able to cry some tears because they first said there was no brain waves, and the, the tears were evidence that there was some brain activity, and then he was able to take two breaths on his own. But I got—I've been on the phone with Loretta this morning. And from that time, he has not been able to take any breaths on his own. They're finding no brain activity. And they're going to give him, it was either called an epi or an AP, Amy. I don't know which one, trying to get the heart to, to go. We prayed last night before they did the, the one test. Because if, if no brain activity was shown, they were going to, you know. And uh, God moved. And I, I can't imagine what they're feeling right now. And I know I got people in here that can't. I know I do. I need you as a city on the Hill Church family. They come all the way from Grundy. They used to be at my church at Raven Assembly, precious people. And I asked her permission before I, before I did this. I, I just want you to stretch up their, your hands before the Lord because if it was me, I would want, I, we need prayer. Heavenly Father, I lift up my friend Jonathan. I lift up this beautiful family and I plead the blood of the Lamb. God, let there be resurrection power in his body even now. Cause organs to begin to function. Cause there to be brain activity. God, and I'm not just believing for brain activity. I'm believing for a sign of hope today. But I'm believing for complete and total restoration. Spirit of God, we need you. When our words fall short and our wisdom falters, you are God. You say, cry unto me and I will answer thee in Jeremiah 33 and 3. So as the family of God, we cry out to you. And I believe you to move for this precious family. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And I speak life over Jonathan. We speak life and not death. Blessing and not cursing. God, I believe you to move in this place. Move for him. And Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice, there are so many blessings and so many battles before me right now as I look at this congregation. I can't see them all, but you can. You understand the laughter and the joy, and you understand the tears. You're the God that will dance with us on the mountain and sit with us and embrace us in the valley. And Lord, no matter where they are on life's journey right now and what they've went through this week, today's a turnaround day. Job said to decree a thing and it would be established. God, as my friend from Georgia sent me the video of him walking into that Holy Ghost service this morning saying he was going to get something from God. God, I declare I'm going to get something from you. My people are going to get something from you. 
not me, but you. Somebody's going to leave here saved. Somebody's going to leave here changed. Somebody's going to leave here delivered. Somebody's going to leave here with the bond of depression forever broken off their life. God, do a thing that we remember for all the days of our life. And for this, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, put them hands together for Jesus. Let's have church.
How many of you know you can't do it without the Holy Ghost? I said, how many of you know you can't do it without the Holy Ghost? See, sometimes life will bring you at a place where you realize. Uh, let me rephrase that. Sometimes God will bring you at a place where you realize my wisdom has fallen short. My strength has failed. My ability to endure the storm has evaded me. Therefore, I need something greater than me. The tragedy is so many times people have that legitimate need. You have a God-shaped hole. Carlene was counseling a young person the other day. And God just opened up a door of utterance to her to where she could talk to this person. And she said, honey, the problem is you have a God-shaped hole. And you're trying to fill it with all the wrong things. We all have a God-shaped hole. And only God can fill it. You see people get in trouble when they have that legitimate need of love, of peace, of acceptance, of happiness. We all, we want that and God wants us to have that, made us to have that. But when we try to meet those needs, a legitimate God-given need through an illegitimate way, that's when we get in trouble. I have a need of love. But if I don't get that in God and in godly people, I will try to meet that need through an illegitimate way. Uh, if you are a prisoner, Listen to me now, and you will try to escape. I know if you have me locked up in cell block C in Tazewell County Regional Jail, and I get away out, Ricky, I, I'm out. It's in my nature. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking for an escape. Every one of you, if you feel like you're in a prison, because I found out the biggest prisons ain't bars. They're the lies we believed in here. And if you feel in prison long enough, you're going to look for a way of escape. Ain't no shame in wanting to escape. The shame is when you try to escape to the wrong thing. You have two options today. You can try to escape and meet your need the wrong way, or you can say, you know what? I'm going to escape into the things of God. They had Ezekiel in a prison. He was bound up. Physically, he couldn't escape, but he was looking for an escape. He got a spiritual escape. He got caught up in the things of God, and it turned everything around. My prayer is that you get caught up in the things of God. I know I'm supposed to be taking up an offering, but I really need church this morning. There's some people in here say, Preacher, I'm under pressure. I need an escape. I need to escape. I, I, I can't deal with this no more. I'm sick of this. I need God to help me. I need something to help me. Something's going to break if something don't give. Am I talking to anybody in here this morning? Here's what I'm going to get you to do before I take up the offering. No, I want you to lift up both hands right where you are. Holy Ghost escape to the door that they feel is closed. Open. Open that door for Doug and Michelle. Open that door for James and Loretta and Jonathan. Open that door for every person under the sound of my voice that feels like they've been on lockdown, that feels like they've just been on an emotional quarantine. God, I praise you that today is the day. Today is the day that your people get set free. And for every person, help me, Holy Ghost, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, even now, God, do what my words can't do. Let your Holy Ghost begin to draw, begin to move, begin to minister. Let them know life doesn't have to be dark and dismal. Let them know they're not here by accident, but you brought them here to minister to them. And I praise you for the great and mighty things that's going to happen in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen.
Y'all a good-looking crowd, man. I tell you, I look across this crowd. I, I pastor the greatest people ever. Y'all may be seated for a second. Tuesday night, because now Wednesday, people like mine, Doris, and all you beautiful women, I know what y'all doing on Wednesdays. Y'all cook them for Thursdays. We had our, one of our Thanksgiving dinners. How many of y'all have more than one Thanksgiving dinner? Amen. Some of y'all feel my pain right there. And uh, you eat enough turkey, and it puts you into a coma. It really does. I, I ate enough turkey last night to where I'm still trying to shake that off. I'm wondering if I shouldn't have drunk some caffeine before I preached this morning. But what we're going to do, what we do every Thanksgiving is we don't have Wednesday night service. We have Tuesday night service because we have so many people in this church that labor for their families, that love their families, and I honor that. I respect that. I thank God that you still do that. How many of you think it's still important for families to get together and eat? I do. And I don't want to do anything to take away from that, and I also don't want to do anything to make you miss a service. So what we're going to do is what we do every year. We're going to have Tuesday night service. All right. I don't know if y'all heard me or not. See, because some of y'all just heard we ain't having church Wednesday night, and y'all cut me out, and y'all was like, no church Wednesday night. There's a, there's a B part to that. We're having church Tuesday night. Everybody say Tuesday night. We're having our Thanksgiving service. One more time. Tuesday night, we're having our Thanksgiving service. And I believe that's one of the most important services of the year because did you know it is impossible to be thankful and bitter at the same time? It truly is. It's impossible to be thankful and grateful about what God's done for you and be mad at the same time. Try it. You can't be thankful for all the blessings God's given you and be depressed and mad and want to whoop somebody at the same time. And so we always, you know, if the Holy Ghost permits, that's how we'll gear that service to a sermon and a service about thanks, thankfulness and, and just the faithfulness of God. If you're still here in 2021, God has been faithful to each and every one of you. And he is worthy of your praise and worthy of your adoration. I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time. And... Uh, ask you to do what you do. Man, y'all have made it so easy on me because I've been able to just be real with y'all. Pastor Mikey knows, Veronica knows, Summer knows, uh, Pastor Bobby knows. I hate taking up offerings. I like to just preach, but Adam, it has fallen my lot to act like a pastor, and I do have to take up offerings sometimes. So I'm coming to you for the Sunday morning tithe and offering, and I used to, you know, try to come up with, with scriptures. It's in there. Read your Bible. It's all through there all through there. But here's the deal. Anything you give God, he refuses to let you outgive him. If, if, if my kid, Jake or Grayson, actually breaks down and gives me a hug, I give them five hugs and, and, a, and a present. I think they know how to work me. They know if I'm halfway nice to old dad, he's going to give me $20 for gas, you know. It's just that way. I'm not going to let my kids outgive me. And I'm just a normal, mortal man. Well, I'm not normal, but I'm, I'm human. And if I, will give, and if I ain't going to let my kids outgive me, your heavenly father ain't about to let him out, you outgive him. Amen. How many people do I have in here that have seen the faithfulness of God in the realm of your finances? For 27 years now, me and this girl right here have paid tithe and offering unto God. And we have never regretted it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. 
I'm asking you in faith to take out your tithe and offering. Hold it up in the air. I want to pray for it. I want to pray for you as you give it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all these precious people. I count it an honor. God, I just want to thank you personally that people come to this church. I want to thank you that your hand's on my life, that I feel your spirit. I ask you to take the tithe and the offering of your people. Use it for the upbuilding of your kingdom. And even now, let their faith increase and let them know that it's coming back. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto their bosom. For this I give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. One more big, big announcement. That announcement that little ears are waiting for right now. That announcement that sometimes is forgotten. But it is not forgotten this morning. Kids Church, your time has begun. Give them a hand clap. Me and me and Dwayne laugh because he said, I've never seen a church where kids actually take off sprinting to go to kids church. I, I dreaded kids church. It was called Sunday school when I was a kid. And in Sunday school, I, I'm, I was probably the meanest kid in there, except for my brother. And back then you actually got whippings from your teachers. Can you imagine if we did that now? It'd be all over Facebook. But I, I, got, I got a few beatdowns put on me by Sunday school teachers. I would get stuck in the corner. I'd get sent back down, all that stuff. So I'm honored to pastor people that are so diligent in what they do that kids don't dread going to kids' church, but they get excited. You ought to give God a hand clap of praise for that.
Lift those hands in the air right now. All over this place, just lift your hands to a God that is for you. If you could ever convince the body of Christ that the God they worship is for them and not against them. I found that half the warfare, maybe more, is coming to the realization that God ain't out to get you. God's out to bless you. That God ain't trying to beat you down. God's trying to bring you out. I don't know about you, but I serve a good God. I'm living proof that he's a good God. He's been good to me. He's been good to anybody else in here. Will you do me a favor before you're seated? I see nothing but friends and family, like for real friends, for real family, and people I love, and people, I see some new faces, and I can't wait to get to know you, and you'll be a part of this family. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to stretch forth your hands to me because I just want God to use me. I've been in this long enough to know if he don't do it, it don't get done. And I'm leaning on him today. Heavenly Father, I believe you to anoint me. God, the word that I believe you gave me, anoint it. Have your way with me, through me, to me, to speak to the people before me that need to hear from you. You see the various needs. You see the battles. You see the struggles. And only your anointing, only your Holy Ghost can change them. And you are here to do so. So have your way in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, and you may be seated. Faith over fear, I keep that with me, and uh, it's such a reminder of some powerful things that God did in my life. I always keep things before me that remind me of the goodness of God, and this is one of those things. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 19. Yeah, James, that's good, James 5, 17. I'm just going to go with y'all because I gave you all the scriptures, didn't I? I did. Elijah, says Elias, but it means Elijah, was a man. Everybody say a man. Subject to like passions like we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now would you go to 1 Kings, same man. And I want you to see what happened here. And it was so when Elijah heard it, somebody say he heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood at the entering of the cave, the mouth of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? I want to preach a little while today from the subject of the man, the mantle, and the messengers. The man, the mantle, and the messengers. And I want you to understand when I say man, I don't just mean men. I mean the men and women of God. I'm using that because it flows good as a sermon title, but I don't want you to think I'm just preaching to men. I'm preaching to every person that is under the sound of my voice this morning. I love the scripture that I read in James 5.17 because it reminds me of something powerful that we all need to realize. Elijah was a man. So many times we think that if God uses somebody or God lifts somebody up, there was a little something special about them that you didn't have that maybe they didn't have the worry gene or maybe they didn't have the depression gene or maybe they never struggled with lust or maybe they never had addiction in their background. The Bible is very explicit and specific in reminding us that God used humans. He used men and he used women. 
And Elijah was such a powerful figure in the old covenant that we would have had a temptation if this verse hadn't been in here to propel him to be somebody that was so far above you, so more capable than you, so more adequate than you, so more qualified than you. But you know what I found out, Chelsea, in all my years of ministry? I found out that God uses people just like you and me. And so many times in ministry, I find that my battle is trying to convince you as you sit there that the God we lift our hands to wants to use you in a mighty way. And even as I say that, there are contradictions that come in your soulless realm. I'm going to preach by the Holy Ghost. There are contradictions that come in your memory. There are contradictions that come in your present situation. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Things that make you say, now that preacher talking to everybody but me. Because the devil is a master of making you feel like you're the oddball out. You're the only one that God can't use. You're the only one that God can't elevate. I, I want somebody to know that if you're under the sound of this red-faced preacher's voice today, it's not by accident. It's because God has the word of the Lord for you. That the God we praise at City on a Hill wants to elevate you and use you in a mighty way. I'm going to say it again. My God wants to use you in a mighty way. You see somebody preaching under power and you think they don't deal with insecurity. I can prove otherwise. You see somebody that gets up there and sings like Chelsea sings and say, well, she never gets nervous. Talk to her a little bit and ask her. You see anybody that God's ever used, they, they wear the same flesh suit you wear. They have the same struggles you have. Sometimes their back aches. Sometimes their brain plays tricks on them. Sometimes, believe it or not, their family acts crazy. Can I get an amen in here? Have you ever had your family get on your nerves so bad you didn't even feel like coming to church? I'm going to find my honest Christians in here. Ain't nobody sitting in here in a bubble, and ain't nobody I'm ever going to sit in front of you unless Jesus decides to come and preach that ain't got problems and ain't got struggles. We're going to break that myth right now. I've just come to tell something. My God is so awesome. He can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. God don't need perfect people. God needs somebody that says, Lord, I need you. Use me. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to pace myself now. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 49 now. So I try not to get as hyper as I used to get. But sometimes I get a bad case of the can't help it. So. And as you sit on the sound of my voice, man or woman of God, because that's what I'm going to call you, no matter what your state is right now, no matter how you feel right now, God wants you to be called by who you are in him, man and woman of God. Somebody say, I am a man of God. Now, if you're a woman, say, I am a woman of God. And with that, you need to understand there comes a mantle. I brought out my props today because I like props. And a mantle is that thing that God puts on you. You see, it's very important that you learn to wear what God puts on you and not what people put on you. See, because you got a choice right now. You can wear the, the mantle. The purpose God put on you in your mama's womb. Or you can wear that, that, that phrase that that psychologist put on you in a bad season of your life. You can wear the call that God put on you. Or you can believe the lies that the enemy told you through your football coaches and fifth grade teacher. Where my real church at? 
Some of you, you got two contradicting voices in your head. One is the voice of your heavenly father who says, I love you and I want to use you. One is the voice of your earthly father that said, you're a failure, you're a loser, and God can't. And you have to make, I have to make a choice. Chelsea has to make a choice. Everybody has to make a choice. Which one am I going to walk under, Bobby? Am I going to walk under the people that saw me in a bad season, put a label on me, and say that's all I'm ever going to be? Or am I, I going to dare to believe that there is a mantle with my name on it? The reason some of you feel naked in the spirit right now is you're not walking under the mantle of the Lord. You're walking under the judgment of men. And by the time this service is over, that spirit is going to be broken. I need about 10 people to get with me about right now. I'm just going to tell you, you're bigger than what they said about you. You're bigger than the diagnosis they put on you. I'm going to see if I can dress myself up proper, Carlene. I'd never embarrass you, but help me jazz it up a little bit. Around my shoulders, like Superman for Jesus. Dun, 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 dun. Now, we're getting somewhere. Because the mantle that God had for the man, somebody say, man and mantle. That's a mouthful, ain't it? The mantle was never altered to fit the man. The man had to grow into the mantle. See, there's some things I'm walking in right now that I, I hadn't grown into 20 years ago. And can I tell you, there's still a lot of space in my mantle, still some stuff I'm growing into. See, the devil will beat you up over the stuff you ain't grown into, but I promise you, you've grown a lot more than you were five years ago. If you're still in church and in your right mind, baby, you headed the right way. If you're still alive in 2021, it'll lift up a hand and say, Jesus is Lord, you're going the right way. As an 18-year-old boy, if God would have looked at me and said, well, Barry's nervous, Barry's aggravating, Barry's... Uh, got a propensity to party, Barry's got these struggles, y'all keep wondering everything I'm going to spill out, that's it. I'm going to have to alter his mantle. I would be wearing a tiny vest right now. I would be wearing, you ever seen them guys that work out in the gym and they wear the child's medium t-shirts from Gap? Like man by man size shirt, quit doing that. But they do that, they want to show their muscles. And in the spirit, if God would have altered my mantle to fit the man, I'd be wearing a kid's gap medium right now at best. But God never reduces your call based on your humanity. God never reduces what he's called you to do based on your present weaknesses, struggles, or circumstances. I don't know about you, but that still blesses me that God does not reduce what he has for me based on the fact of where I am when he started a work in me. God says, I'm going to grow you into it. Some of you that's been battling with depression, God wants me to tell you, see, the anointing destroys the yoke. I know I've said it before, but it's so good, I'm going to say it again. What they did with young bulls is they would put a yoke on because they knew a young bull wasn't strong enough to break that yoke. But if he got used to that yoke being on him when he was little, then by the time those muscles were bulging, Freddie, and he had grown into a strong bull, he would have grown so accustomed to the yoke, the bondage, the burden, that he would fail to believe he could ever break the yoke. 
But eventually, if you get him fat enough, that's why the Bible says that anointing destroys the yoke. One of the words for anointing is fatness or growth. See, as you begin to grow into the things of God, some of that stuff you've been trying to rip off of, you ain't got to rip off of you. You just keep on growing in how much you know how God is. You keep on praying. You keep on reading. You keep on praising even through tears. And you may not feel like it, but God's growing you up out of what they said about you. God's growing you up out of that depression. And one day that yoke's going to burst off your neck and you're going to say, look what the Lord has done. Man can attack your mantle. But man can't take it. My Bible tells me the gifts and the calling of God, they're without repentance. Man can look and they can get mad at what God gave you, how God has blessed you, but God wants me to tell you, they can't take it. They can't make God change his. I've met people that could change their mind about me at the drop of a hat. You preach a good sermon, they're like, I like Barry Absher. And then somebody tell them something, I don't like him no more. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not like your crazy children. Because God said, ain't nothing the devil going to tell me going to make me change my mind about you. Ain't nothing your neighbor going to tell me going to make me change my mind about you. And let me take it a little further. Ain't nothing you going to tell God about you that's going to make him change his mind about you. That mantle, when that man of God wore that mantle, it was a sign that the hand of God was on me. It was, a, it, it was a sign that when he walked into a room that he was other than, that though he was a man that bled like they bled and cried like they cried and had a propensity for depression just like they did, that God had separated him unto himself. What I'm trying to tell somebody is don't let your humanity talk you out of the mantle that God has for you. We all have struggles. And I've got some good friends in this church that's talked me through hard times. They have seen my humanity, but they've never disqualified me from my mantle. But I'm very, very picky about who I talk to during the hard time. See, some things you need to talk to the Lord about you do not need to post on Facebook. Because you've given about 10,000 crazy people an opportunity to be used of the devil to exploit you in your moment of weakness. You can't tell everybody, say amen, but you can tell somebody. And you grow into that mantle. Elijah had that mantle. That mantle was his reminder. But sometimes life can get tough. Sometimes things can get hard. Sometimes walking under the weight of the man, I was going to read out of Acts 21 about when they talked to Paul and they said, whoever's man, mantle this man belongs to, who, whose mantle this belongs to, he's going to go through some stuff. Can I preach real to you today? When you have a mantle of God on your life, it ain't always going to be rose petals and lollipops. It's going to bring a weight with it. It's going to bring a responsibility with it. That there's going to be, but there ain't nothing you're going to get to that God Almighty ain't going to bring you through. That's somebody's word right there. Ain't nothing you ever going to get to that my God ain't going to bring you through. If he's ever brought you through anything, would you lift up a Pentecostal praise about right now? But sometimes, I'm just going to preach real, sometimes you can be the man that's embraced the mantle, but sometimes the hell going on in your mind, the battles going on in your family, the battles going on in your life. Elijah went from calling down fire on the prophets of Baal to one day one messenger, messenger, man, mantle, messengers. 
One messenger wrecked his world because he was tired. He was messed up. He went into 40 days of depression, 40 days of isolation. The worst place you can get is by yourself. He forgot who he was. I wonder who I'm preaching to because you've been under severe uh, spiritual attack. Uh, dare I say it? You've been under demonic attack. I still believe the Bible. I still believe we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and all your problems ain't a chemical imbalance, baby. There's a devil that hates you because he knows there's a mantle that's on you that can change somebody else's life. Oh, I'm going to flip it old school. Put up Nehemiah 4.14. Let's show them this. I did this Wednesday night. I, I, I can feel my Sunday morning crowd needs this. Nehemiah was a comforter. He had a mantle on his life. He had, he had caused the people of God to buy into the vision of rebuilding the things of God. But here's what he said because his people got fearful. We all battled from time to time with the spirit of fear. Everybody. And Nehemiah said, and I looked and I rose up and I said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, be ye not afraid. 365 fear knots in the Bible. That's one for every day of your life. He said, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord. You got two choices. You can be afraid of them or you can remember the Lord. Fear connects me to what they think. Faith connects me to what God thinks. Come on, somebody. Here's what he said. He said he is great and he is terrible. God's great to me, but he is terrible to the enemies of the Lord. And fight for your brethren, for your sons, and for your daughters, and for your wives, and for your houses. You missed that. God, God through Nehemiah said, you ain't just fighting for you, Charlie. You ain't just fighting for you, Mike. Hear me now. Every time you go through a battle, Ron, it ain't just for you. It ain't just for you, Doug. When you go through a battle, JR, you are fighting for those people that you love. I'm preaching to people that are under severe attack right now and you think it's just about you and what a miserable person you are and all the weaknesses and the flaws that you have. God sent me here to tell you the battle you are currently in has nothing to do with where you've been or where you are. It's because of everybody that is attached to the anointing that is on your life. That's why the enemy is trying to get you to quit because somebody in your future needs what God put in you and I'm begging you with everything. If you can't fight for you, fight for your babies. Fight for your family. Fight for your future. Fight for those that you love. Sometimes the motivation that keeps me going is when I remind myself when I go under spiritual attack. It's I ain't just fighting for me. I'm fighting for I'm fighting for my boys. I'm fighting for Brad. I'm fighting for people in my church. I'm fighting for Bubba. I'm fighting for our Facebook church family. I'm fighting for people down in Georgia, down in Alabama, down in Florida. I'm fighting for people that are connected to this ministry whose faces we have not seen and people that will be coming in the future. And sometimes the greater the attack, it's more of the indication of the influence that God has in your life. If you've ever shot a bow, you know you got to pull it back if you want to launch it far. And I a word for somebody. For everybody that feels like they've been pulled back by life, God wants me to tell you, you ain't been pulled back. God is just letting you get stretched because he's getting ready to launch you past every expectation, every limitation, every demonic lie that you've been fighting in your mind, in your imagination. A better day is on the way. And finally, Elijah got so depressed, you know, God goes to him. I thank God God wasn't a Pentecostal preacher, Jeremy. Because God would say, I'm done with you, thou, thou 
faithless wonder in Zion. But I thank God, God ain't like a lot of the Pentecostal preachers I've met in my life. God rolled up on him and said, what you doing here? What in the world made you think I gave up on you? Have I not blessed you up until this point? You had a bad day, Elijah. You got tired. You got wore out. The devil lied to you. But Elijah, they said you'd be dead in one day. It's been 40 days, Joker, and I've kept you alive. I'm about to preach in here. We was getting ready to preach my last conference that I did in Georgia there a few weeks ago. And I went through something, man. We were just going through some attacks. And the day, I, dare I be honest with y'all on a Sunday morning? Dare I? Yes, I dare. Me and Carlene's in the room. We're praying. We're having a good time. But still in the back of my mind, I'm struggling, okay, because I'm a man. Don't judge me. Don't. And so I'm struggling. And God says, Barry, look at your cell phone because I dated on the cell phone when the attack happened, okay? And I always talked about Elijah went 40 days after the lie of the devil before he realized the good thing God had done for him. He's supposed to have been dead in one day, and he made it 40 days. Finally realized the devil can't do what he said he would do. The devil came to me in that day. The enemy came to me in my mind, in my imagination, in my emotions, and told me I was going to lose y'all, I was going to lose my church, that I was going to have a nervous breakdown, that the stress was finally getting to me, blah, 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 yada, yada, all this stuff. I was weak. I was tired. I've been preaching a lot. I bought into the lie of the enemy. I was hearing negative stuff all the time from people. If they're talking about me, if you love me, don't tell me because I don't care what they have to say. So all this stuff was getting in my mind, and it was just poisoning me. It was contaminating me. It was really eating at me. I was getting aggravated, agitated, and spiritually constipated. I found myself at a broken point in life where I said, oh God, it's over for me. I'm not going to be able to preach. I'm not going to be able to minister. I'm not going to be able to do what I love. Everybody I love is going to leave me. God, what am I going to do? The devil showed me I'm just trying to help somebody. He showed me being in a padded cell. I said, Carlene, what if they put me in a padded cell? She said, well, scoot over, dummy, because I'll sit right there beside you. Now, that's a wife right there. That's a wife right there. I'm in Georgia, and I'm thinking about this. I'm getting ready to preach. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, look at your phone, because you documented the day that happened. I opened up my phone. I went back to the notes, and I looked, and it had been 41 days since that happened. And I hadn't missed a sermon I hadn't missed a conference and I hadn't had a breakdown and I, right there in my room I said, Lord, I thank you that I've outlasted the lie of the enemy. Am I preaching to anybody that you've outlived grace? The lie of the devil, girl. Somebody give him a praise. But Elijah, let's get back to Elijah because y'all can't handle it when I tell y'all stories on me. My pastor needs to be perfect. I love it when people say, my pastor doesn't act like that. Boring. No, I'm just joking. Elijah, he did something that I've had to do. That's why I keep things in front of me like faith over fear. That's why on my work caps, I write Jesus. I write Carlene. I write Grayson and Jacob underneath it to remind me of the things I love and the people that love me. It's just, I'm weird. That's what I do. Elijah took that mantle. Bible said he wrapped it around his head. He wrapped it around his head to block out CNN, to block out Fox, to block out uh, 
agendas that are not of God, to block out the opinions of other people. What he was doing is he was saying, right now, I don't need to look at nothing but what God called me to do. I'm tired of Googling my condition. I'm tired of trying to get reformation from friends that don't even love me no more. I'm going to remind myself of the God that brought me this far. I'm not going to look to the east. I'm not going to look to the west. I'm going to remind myself of why I was born in the first place. And after he wrapped his head in his mantle, he began to remember, I ain't got to live like this and baby, I ain't got to die like I've come to tell somebody. It's time for you to wrap your head in what God told you it might have been 10 years ago it might have been 20 Patty but wrap your head in your mantle and block out everybody that's got a problem with it now I got another problem I've given away two of these in the name of Jesus I will not give this one away Carlene told me I was banned from giving them away last two conferences where I preached this the Bible talked about a man named Samuel. And Samuel had a horn of oil. That was his mantle, if you will. He was a prophet. Now, horn of oil, that horn represents strength. I told Kelly, I said, give me a bigger one this time because I want everybody to see it. It represented strength. But the problem is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, I want y'all to see this. command thee to come upon the board. Ha ha. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn over the people that left you? Oh, that ain't what it said. How long will you mourn over the things that didn't work out? How long will you be stuck in the memory of that relationship that failed you? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading it wrong. He said, how long are you going to mourn for Saul, saying that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king. Say provided. God has your next provision right in front of you. And it is not trapped in your regret, in your yesterday, and it ain't in who walked out on you. Baby, you need to give God a praise right now for the people that stayed with you. The man of God had the horn. And from the outside looking in, I could just hold this horn up. Lindsay, I could hold this horn up. And I could act like I was going to dump it on Jeremy, which I wouldn't do because Jeremy would whoop me. But holding this horn, y'all might think it's got something in it. Samuel walking around with the horns. The horn symbolic of strength. Horn symbolic of anointing. The problem was it was empty. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. How many times have we walked around, we had the horn, but we had no oil? On the outside, we look like we still got it together, but inside, we know we're so empty right now. I know what it's like to come to church and feel empty. I know what it's like to have to preach funerals for people I loved and feel so empty, I was afraid I wouldn't be able to help them in any way. I know what it's like as a parent to feel empty. I know what it's like as a husband to feel empty. And feel like I wasn't getting it done. I know what that feels like in that horn. Although it looked like it, it looked strong. The problem was it was empty. All of his oil was gone. Because if you go to 1 Samuel 8, 5, and y'all don't have to pull it up. 
the nation of Israel come to him and they said, your sons have rejected your oil faith. They said, the nation has rejected your oil because we want to be like everybody else. They, they had rejected him. Let me tell you what will drain your oil, what will drain your anointing. When you pour it out on the people you love and see no difference. When you pour it out on your family and you feel like they shake it off and say, what you say don't matter to me. When you try to love those that, that you love with all your heart and you're wanting to give them Jesus and it seems like they're getting meaner rather than better. Have you ever loved somebody and you poured out everything you had on them only for them to reject it? Because not only does it feel like they're rejecting the oil, it feels like they're rejecting you. I, I know what it's like to have family issues where you're like, man, other people love me. Other people like to hear me preach. Well, where my family at? Like, I'm looking for Jake right now. Ooh, Holy Ghost hound dog is going to get after him. He promised me, Tamitha, that he was going to hunt his little deer and he was going to be here. Even brought him a toothbrush. I don't see him. It's going down after church, y'all. But that's another sermon. I was looking for you, Grace, and I saw a pretty face and I said, she lives another day. But anyhow, I know what it's like to pour your oil out on family and say, we don't care. We don't want none. It ain't about that. I know what it's like to witness the uncles and them laugh at me. I know what it's like to talk to people that have my last name and say, I don't, I don't mean nothing to me. Or basically say, you don't mean nothing to me. Man, that, that hurts. Then the, the entire nation, he poured out on the nation, preached to them. They rejected it. And now we live in a time where the devil's lying to the church trying to make us think that our oil don't matter. Can I tell you people are getting saved at record rates? People are coming to you. Don't you quit pouring your oil out. We ain't trying to be popular. We're trying to be powerful. We want people to have the oil. That's two strikes. So he had one more hope left, Saul. So he poured his oil on King Saul. He loved Saul. Man, when you pour your oil on people, you put your time into people, you love people. The problem was Saul rejected it also. And now you have a prophet who's got a three strikes, you're out mindset. He's got the horn and everybody on the outside say, he's still got it. But he knows it's empty. I see beautiful people in here. People would look at you and they would crave your life. But deep down you know you're empty. You got the outside structure. Hey, you're even at church on a Sunday morning. But deep down, you know, preacher, I, I'm empty. I, I, I quit dreaming a long time ago. I quit expecting God to do anything for me a long time ago. I, I, I quit thinking anything was going to happen a long time ago as Chelsea begins to play. I wonder who I'm preaching to because he said, how long are you going to cry over what left you? preaching to myself right now. How long you gonna cry over who walked out? How long you gonna get stuck in yesterday? Grayson, as a little 10-year-old girl, 10 or 12, I was at this one church and Grayson was so prophetic and she didn't know what was going on in my head. We were riding down the road and she said, Daddy, God told me to tell you something. I said, what's that, baby? She said, God told me to tell you that until you, this is from a little girl, that God can't do what he wants to do in your ministry now until you quit worrying and regretting what didn't work out in your past season. 
Out of the mouth of babes, he has perfected praise. Something broke off of my life that day, Gracie. I said, I got, I got to get my act together. That came from the Holy Ghost through my baby girl who just always had that connection back then, still does. And it changed something. I, I'm talking to somebody right now. You're missing your today and your tomorrow because you still cry. You still got the horn, but baby, it's empty. But David knew something. The man he was going to anoint knew something. He knew in life sometimes, Pat, we would get drained. He knew sometimes our home would get empty, but Psalms 92.10, I don't know if I gave you that one or not. Psalms 92.10, here's what David said. I probably didn't give it to you. If I didn't, it's okay. He said, you will anoint my head, my horn, but that my horn thou shalt anoint like the horn of the unicorn, which means bull. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mm, that's a word from the Lord right there. See, some of you, it ain't the oil that you had two years ago wasn't real. It's just it ain't fresh no more. You need a fresh move of the Holy Ghost. You need a fresh encounter with God. You are empty, friend. But God told me to tell you, he ain't ran out of oil. He hasn't ran out of peace. He hasn't run out of favor. He hasn't run out of blessing. Lord, anoint me with some fresh oil. Give me some hell shaking chain breaking oil that speaks to this generation I need fresh oil do I have anybody that needs fresh oil in this place today I dare you to stand to your feet and give God a praise all over this house it was a messenger and I'm wrapping up remain standing it was a messenger that made Elijah forget his medal, his mantle. It was the message of the people that made Samuel believe what he did don't matter no more. Mama, your prayers still matter. Dad, what you're doing for God still matters. Young man, you being here on a Sunday morning it matters. Now, I thank God for every, every face I see here because I know there's a hundred other places y'all could have been. God wants me to tell you it matters. I'll tell you what else matters to God. The fact that you're in here and you're like this empty horn. I look and I see strong, able-bodied men, beautiful women all over this place. But I'm wondering if on the inside you're like this horn. You say, preacher, I'm empty. So empty, Bobby. Bobby's been with me through the empty seasons. Been with Bobby through something that's called friendship. You don't drop people when they get empty. You get them back under the spout and say, let's get some fresh oil in you. Let's get some fresh word in you. Let's get some. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Say, people, right now, my friend, this is a symbol of where you are in the spirit. You're empty. You're empty of hope. You're empty of peace. You're empty of joy. Say, what am I doing here this morning? God's talking to you and telling you, you ain't got to leave empty. I'm preaching to all the empty vessels that say, I need some fresh oil. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. I need God to invade my life in a new way, in a fresh way. We'll never give up on altar calls. Never, never, never. Because that's Jonathan Jewell when he came last Sunday and bore his soul before God. His daddy told me this morning that's what was giving him peace to make it through this battle. This matters. 
This culture has tried to make us believe altar calls don't matter, laying on hands don't matter, have a cute little church service and go home. The devil is a liar. People fighting too many battles for us to be cute. Let's let some oil flow in this place. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need, I need some fresh oil right now. I need God to help me. I'm empty right now. I'm empty. I'm empty. I'm empty. Friend, I'm going to ask you to come right now as the Spirit of God is moving. Empty. Depression will drain you. Frustration will drain you. The brokenness of people, their pain being passed on to you, it will drain you. And you don't even praise God like you used to praise God. It ain't because you don't love Him, friend. It's because you're empty. It's because life is strange. It's a little thing called life. I asked Dad when I was going through that. I said, Dad, I said, why do you think all this happening to me? He said, Barry, it's a thing called life. I'm preaching to people right now that what you're going through is a thing called life. And the enemy's used it to attack you, but you're empty. I'm asking you to drop your title, drop your position, and let God give you some fresh oil in this place today. I want everybody God's speaking to, I want you to come right now. Ain't nobody judging you. That's a lying devil. That's a lying devil to keep you where you are. In fact, I want you to start giving people hand claps as they come. Because if you saw how empty they felt, if you saw how desperate they felt, if you saw how nervous they had been, you would be giving God a praise that they would say, I need some help in the house this morning. All right, we got this side pretty much filled up. So y'all telling me this side was only empty and y'all all God's second cousin. I ain't letting it go. I used to just let it go, but Carlene told me don't let it go. Stay on that altar call. I'm on to something right now. God bless you. God bless you, baby. God bless you, Molly. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody give them a hand clap. Amy, pray with them right now. Don't you tell me now. I was all on that side and God didn't move on this side. There's some empty vessels in here right now. Terry and Don, I'm going to ask y'all to lift your hands right where you are. It was, I think, two weeks ago now I was supposed to pray for y'all. We got distracted by a person I didn't, and, and I, I told y'all at the restaurant. I knew I was supposed to pray for y'all. I'm going to pray for y'all right now. Y'all worship the Lord as Chelsea sings. This altar is open.
with me. I believe in following the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know my buddy Adam came up. She said, Barry, you're supposed to go pray for Adam. I want y'all to stretch forth your hands to my brother right now. just have to do this. I know this is a good sized crowd. But I mean, you might as well know what we are right now. We that tongue-talking bunch. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. And here's what I'm doing right now. I'm opening up these altars, and I got my prayer warriors ready. Patty and Olegay going to help me. Pastor Bobby, Pastor Mikey Summer, Carlene, Kathy. I thank God for the service where they did this altar call for me, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm more concerned about what God thinks than what this crowd thinks right now because somebody needs a baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I dare you to come to this altar right now. I got prayer warriors that's going to pray with you. And in the name of Jesus, you're going to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. I know we live in a culture that says don't push on that too much. It'll push certain people away. Honey, that's one of the things that's helped me stay. If you have the Holy Ghost, I need you to praise Him. Let somebody know He's real. Let somebody know He's real. It's Holy Ghost Day, Ronnie. It's Holy Ghost Day. Patty, Holy Gay. Woo. A young man by himself, by himself named Tristan, 
was up here 20 years old. He went, he went to school, probably, uh, he went to Tazel, but same age between Luanna and Allie Gray and my kids. Played football against Jake. Up here, nobody laying hands on him. Started speaking in tongues, man. No devil will ever take that away from him. We need the power of God in us. I need the I can't preach without him. I can't pastor without him. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. This altar is open for everybody that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. speaking in the tongues up here right now. Come on, somebody. Ronnie just got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, y'all. I wish you would give God a praise. That's what's going to change marriages. That's what's going to change churches. That's what's going to change America. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel the Holy Ghost heavy in this place. But my heart shall thou exalt like the horn of a bull. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. 
I got some empty people in here. And this ain't an altar call right now for the Holy Ghost. This is an altar call to be saved or rededicate your life to the Lord. Friend, you're empty. If they shook you right now, the only thing that would come out is depression and hopelessness. But God brought you here to fill you with his love, to wash you in his blood. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you ain't got to leave empty. If you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Just like my young friend Jonathan that marched up that altar Sunday, not knowing he was going to be in a car wreck on a Thursday night. This matters. This is important. If you're in here and saints be praying, if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved to rededicate my life to the Lord, you're not in here by accident. God brought you here. If you're in here and you say, I need to be saved to rededicate my life to the Lord, would you lift that hand of where I could see it right now? That's God talking to you, not me. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else that will raise that hand and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. If you raised your hand to be saved or rededicate, would you come down here to this altar right now? If you raised your hand to be saved or rededicate your life, I'm looking for you. I, I feel this on me so strong. I'm so thankful for people getting what they need and the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm, I thank God for that. I honor you, Lord. But, Lord, there's somebody here I know by your spirit that's lost. Save them right now. Last time, and I'll get out of the way, but I feel this so strong. Friend, don't leave like you came. If you're in here and you say, I need to be saved to rededicate my life to the Lord, please lift that hand. Wave at me if that's you. Just wave at me. Wave at me if that's you. I'm looking. I see people praising God, but if you raise, I see that hand. I see you, sweetie. God bless you. Would you meet me up here and let me pray with you? Would that be okay, darling? Would y'all give her a hand clap? And this altar's for anybody else that says, I want to come out of darkness and I want to step into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This altar's open. Worship the Lord as they sing.
Come on, church. Stretch, stretch your hands towards her this morning. Come on, lives are being changed here this morning. Come on, families are being brought back together this morning. Souls are being saved. Come on, people's getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, she's seeking it. She's hungry this morning. Come on, God. Yes, we praise and we thank you. Let's just all stretch our hand and join with her, Lord, right now. Lord, we bind our faith together, Lord. Lord, we speak it over her, Lord, right now. Lord, feel her from her head to her feet, God. Fresh oil. She leaves this place different than she came, God. She shall never be the same. Fresh walk. Fresh vision, God. Your anointing has broke every yoke. Every bondage from yesterday day is broken forever off of her life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before a pastor got ready to preach, people need to know this ministry is more than these four walls right here. We are the church. And this ministry is reaching more than Tazewell County. Come on. Before he got ready to preach, BJ and Alan and them said, Come here, I need to show you something. And on our Facebook Live, there was a message of how blessed they was, and they was watching from Pakistan. Come on, we're reaching to the foreign countries. We're reaching from the, as far as the east is from the west. Come on. God said, I'll spread my word. This ministry is mighty. We just got to dig in. And we're seeing God do great and mighty things. But I'm here to tell you, the best is yet to come. Come on, the best is yet to come. Amen, amen. Let's give our pastor a big hand clap of praise this morning. Come on, let's give everybody that's come up here to this altar this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, but you can be seated real quick. What we're going to do here is we're taking up the children's Christmas offering. And we usually say the dollar offering for a Christmas, but we try to do it every the first Sunday of every month, but we've not got to. The opportunities, things come up, things happen. Amen. But what I'm asking you for this morning is just for us just to dig a little deeper like we always do. Amen. I say whatever God places on your heart, whatever, and what this is, is we do this one time a month. We try to. We need to more, do a better job at it. But amen. What we do is we take this up, and all the money goes towards up Christmas for children and last year we done like 38 kids that we was able to provide for I'm telling you y'all are y'all doing great and mighty things in this ministry and amen but there was 38 kids because of y'all's giving because of what y'all done that was blessed at Christmas time I've always said it like this you plant a seed into a child I believe it'll follow him the rest of his days. You be good to a child. If there's no other thing to give into, I'm telling you, this is a, this is good ground to give into. Bless a child. 
You'll never forget it. This is our opportunity to sow a seed into some child's life, and this is what it's going for. This is what it's going for. If you got that seed this morning, like I said, don't matter what it is, but I would ask you just to obey God and whatever God places on your heart to put into this offering. That's what it's going for. Amen. Let's hold it up. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the people that you've brought here this morning. Lord, for the hearts that's in them. For the seed that's going to be sowed into these children's lives. Lord, that addiction will never touch them. No evil hand shall come against them, God. Lord, when bad things come up or bad times come up in their life, Lord, I believe them they're going to remember these times of how faithful and how good you was to them. And that's what we're sowing into. Lord, I thank you for the people that's given this morning. I ask you, Lord, this return a harvest back into them for, for what they're giving into these children's lives. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. And the whole church says, amen.